Hey there, everybody. This is Kevin, just stopping in before the episode to let you know we had some audio issues while recording this episode. Um, some issues with a bad cable that caused problems that weren't detected until uh, we had a, a bigger breakdown near the end. Uh, so we're, you know, obviously going to try and get that fixed as soon as possible. Uh, and, you know, it's too late for us to go back and re-record the whole episode. So sorry about that. You'll have to put up with it for this week, but we'll be making sure that it doesn't happen again in the future, at least hopefully not. But anyways, uh, thanks all for listening and I uh, hope you enjoy this week's show. should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can-eat-more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. She can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because it feels better coming back up than it did going down. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who decided to get an advanced degree after he failed out of clown school. Benedict, what's the best band that came from your hometown? Oh, uh... And I know, I know, you're from the British version of the suburbs, so, yeah. you know, metro area. That's a great question. Uh-huh. Uh, I am going to go for one of the members of One Direction came from my <laughs> near my hometown. Wait, I thought they were all Australian. No, they were all British. Isn't that an Australian no, they're band? British. They're British. I totally thought that was nope. an Australian band. No, nope, British. Which one? Isn't there one of those boy bands that's Australian that I'm thinking of? I don't know. Did you just see them and think, accent, that must be Australian. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's usually how it works, but I totally thought there was an Australian boy band named One Direction. Nope. <laughs> I don't know why I nope. thought that was it. That is, it is only, uh, only. <laughs> and now, Benedict, I have pulled up the list on Wikipedia of uh-huh. Australian boy bands. Okay. Which include Boy Town. Not them. Uh, Brothers Three. Sure. <laughs> uh, the Collective. Why not? Uh, uh, Indecent Obsession. Okay, that sounds okay. Like, All mm, right. Careful. That Australia. sounds more like a that uh, you know Thunder from Down Under type group. Yep. Type thing going on there. Uh, Lee apostrophe Mon. Lee Mon. Lehman. Lem. I don't know what's going Lemon. on there. Lemon. Uh, I think Mercury it's Lemon. Four, and then the last one worth noting. Young Men Society. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. So, apparently, you are correct. I'm sure you were to begin with, but uh, no, One Direction, apparently, British. Yep. Not Australian. Is it the Jonas Brothers? Are the Jonas Brothers Australian? They are definitely American. Somebody is Australian. There's some, something in my mind is clicking with some Australian group for some reason. I have no idea why. I I just, I know it. I know it's not the Hemsworths. I don't know. Something is making me think. <laughs> they, of they may have puppets. sung at some point. You never know. Maybe. Uh, maybe he hummed in a Thor movie. I'm I can't sure. imagine. I'm sure. Ah. <laughs> uh, what about you? What's your uh, What's your best band from your hometown? You, you've had a few, right? I mean, they use a big well, town. I'm from Sacramento, right? It's a big town. But the the best the best band to come out of Sacramento is without a doubt Cake. Okay. Quintessential. Alternative band of the 90s and early 2000s. 
a bass-driven band in a guitar-driven world. Mm. The band that is everything your parents told you that Steely Dan was. Okay. I don't know. Is this I can't the, come up with the people you sent me the other day that I had no idea who <laughs> they were? No. Yeah. How do you not know Cake? I brought up Cake so many times I, on the. Cake Kevin, is le- legitimately you're really one overestimating of my the amount of that I listen to you. <laughs> Cake is one of my favorite bands of all time. You know their songs. Uh, short Skirt, Long Jacket. Uh, uh, going the distance, Jolene. You you've heard these songs. Jolene, that is a Dolly Parton song. No, there's sir. a different song named Jolene that's better. That's by oh, Cake. Okay, that is. I apologize. Of amazing I, albums. I apologize to our listeners for Kevin saying that something was better than a Dolly Parton song. I know that our, our listening demographic will not agree with that. But you you've heard these songs. You know, going the distance, I right? I don't think I have. Honestly. How do you not know the distance? I don't, Kevin. I don't know what to tell you. I just don't know this. That's band. literally the song I was playing when we got on this call today. Yeah, and I was like, "This is a bad <laughs> song. I hope it stops soon." Ah, oh, goddammit, it! I'm so mad at you. <laughs> they also have uh, the amazing covers of "I Will Survive" and "War okay. Pigs." Sure. Uh, Never there is another one a lot of people know. Um, sure it is. I'm not, no, not. This is great me. band. Nugget. Great songs, great music. Um, I will take your word for it. I well, might listen to a to, song after this. You're going to have to give them a listen because okay. it's, it's definitely worth it. Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, I can't believe you don't know it. Anyways, Benedict, now that you've thoroughly disappointed me for the episode, Sorry. you probably know. But uh, some of the listeners may not what exactly it is that we do here. And to them, I would say that this is the show where we go deep. Deep, deep, deep. Mm-hmm. And every other week, we review a chapter from a work of conservative nonfiction, while in between, we take a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Bennett, do you want to start us off? Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yeah, it's that the New York Marathon should be shorter, or if it's not, it should not go You right complain by my about this every year because yeah. you are unable to walk over to whatever bagel I'm shop or whatever you want to get to in the morning yeah exactly it should it should they should divert the route so that it goes the other side of my apartment so that oh, i can still I get live to... in new york city what great impositions on my life <laughs> that i can't walk across the street because people are jogging Ooh. yeah it, precisely that is my hot take well done congratulations thank you that's the end you you expressed it as well as i ever could so thank you i'll You've let you literally t- complained <laughs> about that every year I since know. i've known you every know. time it happens every you year i'm trapped it. in my apartment because i forget you about could go it. the other way there's you could water. go east there's literally water the other way there's nowhere to go there's no subway lines east of me uh, I don't know. I guess maybe you chose the wrong place to live. Sounds right, like maybe. a you problem. It Sounds does sound like, like a, a me problem. problem. It does sound like a me <laughs> problem. But all right, that's fine. I told you I would think of a quick hot take, and I yeah. did. So what's yours? Good. Congratulations. Uh, mine, Benedict, uh, is that the lesson that the right learned from World War II was just that hating one particular group is wrong. Not that hating groups is wrong. Mm. Uh, they learned the, lo- the wrong lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, from all those events of that year. And I say that, again, I, I always sort of reference the fact that I'm doing um, research for various shows, various topics I want to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, along with what we're doing right now with uh, the the book, uh, the Buckley book, I'm going a little bit further into the past and sort of trying to chart out how things got from 
back then to where they are now. So there's a series of waypoints along the way I want to talk about, you know, stuff that, you know, the John Birch Society was a big one that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Various figures and events and things that, that eventually we're going to end up doing some, some episodes on because I think they're interesting and they help us understand how they got to where they are. Um, but along the way, I really did realize that after that whole World War II thing, they just sort of went, well, we got to pick a new group to hate. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the South went... We can keep hating that same group for a little while, but eventually we're going to have to pretend to hate somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just say Soros. That's what we'll do. We'll just say Soros, even though we mean the same thing. Because it really yeah. is, you know, they, they're directing the same conspiracy theories, the same hatred, all the same stuff at whoever the group du jour is. Immigrants or Muslims, right? And they'll use new labels like culture. They'll just say, oh, it's about culture. That's what we're really about. It's not that mm -hmm. we're using the same exact hatred and the, the same lies about these groups that we would in the past for the Jews. It's really just that we're about cultures, different cultures. Yeah. Because oh, I have, I, I have another hot take about immigration. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. Because I listened to a... Um, NPR has this Spanish language series called Radio, mm. Radio Ambulante. Of course you would be that listening I listened to, to Spanish language shit. I listened to this morning. And they, uh, they told the story of this woman who um, fled Guatemala in the 90s um, and got a work permit here. And then they were like, oh, yeah, we'll process your immigrant... Like, your asylum seekers mm -hmm. thing. She was here for, like, 10 years and had yep. two kids. Mm. And then they were like, no. What? Fucked up. Yeah, man. What? Yeah, man. There's some fucked up stuff. Like, uh, huh? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so this country's immigration system sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people who speak two languages suck. And I don't mean yeah. that because there's anything wrong with it. I mean, because you're always rubbing it in the faces of those of us who well, can only it's, speak it's one. It's fine. It's fine because I speak four, so. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> Anyways, Bennett, why don't we move on a little bit to housekeeping this week? Remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Uh, follow us on the social medias at uh, NYGBCPod on Twitter. Uh, and, of course, I have to congratulate this week's new inductee mm. under Operation Neptune, I think is what I came up for with it. Um, but, uh, again, you can become a, a member if you yourself go out and, you know, share about the show on social media. It can be as simple as, as on Twitter. I'm not going to give it to people who just retweet the tweet that, that I put out about the show every week. But if you write your own tweet and say, hey, listen to these guys, that yeah, cool. I'll give it to you. Uh, but this week, at Brent Lee TV on Twitter, you are now part of our... Blue World Spooky World Order. Thank you very much. And Benedict... <laughs> All that out of the way. Let's get into what we are doing this week here on the show. Um, I'll admit, I was feeling a little lazy this week. That's feeling fine. a little I bit lazy. I feel lazy all the time, and you cover for me. So I, uh, yeah, I hype yeah. you up when you're feeling lazy. Let's go. <laughs> uh, we I love just started that. work. I just started work. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've been, I've been going into the office every day. Uh, we also, you know, we have a, we're gonna do a patron only bonus episode for this month. I've been getting that uh, out of the way, doing that research and preparing that. So I was like, I want to take it easy this weekend. I know we've been doing the, you know, various members of Congress who are dum dums. That's been a whole lot of fun. I think we're gonna set that aside for a little bit. We will probably oh. go back to it again in the future. We, we need to. Will. We need to tell the people that I uh, I conceded defeat. Probably. Yes, yes, you did. Uh, <laughs> About Madison Cawthorn being the dumbest that member. Madison Cawthorn is in fact the dumbest member of Congress because he tweeted <laughs> the other day that uh, 
I think assuming that only one Republican would vote for the for the yeah. infrastructure bill. Yeah. And said, uh, what did he say? Like, if he you said, vote for this, I'll primary the hell out of you. Yeah. yeah. I just think he doesn't know what primary means, despite yeah, the fact that he won district, one dude? of like, them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, absolutely idiotic. And then, like, what? Like, 15 Republicans voted for it? So I really am looking forward to yep. Madison Cawthorn yep. driving mm-hmm. from district to district. Yep. We primary. also got Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, tweeting out that it was, uh, I don't know, communism, whatever, and uh, blah, 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 none of it matters. All the people who we've talked about um, have made stupid comments about the passage of the infrastructure <laughs> Shocking, bill the other shockingly. day. Shockingly. By the way, I'm, I mean, I wish there was more Amtrak funding in it. You know how I feel about flying. I want more of those trains, but look, mm-hmm. there's some good stuff in that bill. It's going to do more. They still need to pass uh, the reconciliation bill. We don't ever talk about current events anymore on this show i realize no we should it's yeah. weird to try to <laughs> yeah like, oh yeah i used to know all about this stuff. i used to really keep up with this and now i'm just like thinking what, about what william f buckley was saying. <laughs> i know we're living in an entirely different world uh but you know pretty cool pretty cool i was happy when that passed uh anyways we still have others we obviously need to talk, need to talk about, right? Lauren Boebert, she's obviously mm-hmm. on the list. People who are, have been around a lot longer, like uh, uh, Louis Gohmert, I mm-hmm. think is definitely someone who's on the list. There are a bunch of other creeps in Congress who we need to talk about. Uh, who's the guy with the neck? Um, the dentist with the slinky for a oh, neck. Oh, yeah, I, um, know, I remember. I know who you mean. I, I don't know why I'm blanking on his yeah, name. Yeah, I know who you mean, but, but I can't but, remember. Yeah, there are, there are plenty of crypto-fascists in Congress who we need to talk about at some point, but we did three in a row on that, and I think we need to set that aside for a little bit, let it breathe, we'll come back to it again in the future. And as I mentioned, I was feeling a little lazy this week, so we're going back for something that is like a treat for us. It's mm. like a little, little, uh, little hard candy you get from your 80-year-old grandparents. <laughs> We're doing an episode. It's a Jolly Rancher. (laughs) We're doing an episode of Prager Roulette. Uh, We've got, uh, and you know, not not a very extensive one. I didn't pull up twenty different videos like I have in the past. Also, I have to mention, just because no one would care about this but me, but they reworked their entire website recently, and it just looks like absolute shit. It is, it is garbage. It is much worse to navigate around. It's not as user friendly. They changed. They made it a dark background when it was a light background oh, before. People love which dark mode. Annoys me for I don't know what reason. I just I'm just really annoyed by it. But we're still back on PragerU. We're still doing some Prager Roulette. So Benedict, I have for us today three videos, which I think means that you will not be angry. We will probably be under our usual allotted time this week. Nice. I have three videos. I have them arranged as I usually do on the laptop and you know tabs so mm-hmm. one through three tell me which one you would like to start with Ooh, let's start with uh three number three benedict this one and this one is relevant to a lot of things we have talked about right. on the regular show doing reviews of books and that's sort of why i selected it this is titled the difference between a democracy and a republic uh... That old fucking chestnut. Yeah. Love it. Let's go. We've gotten this from just about Let's every author go. we've read. <clears throat> this right. one is presented by Robert George, who I did not bother to look up uh, his cool. background. So this will be fun. Uh, he's apparently a professor of jurisprudence at Princeton University. Okay. I'll tell you, That's based cool. on having watched this cool. video and listened to him talk, he's still a dick. Okay. At the close of the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia in 1787, Legend has it that a woman called out to Benjamin Franklin to ask what kind of government oh. the delegates had created. A republic, Franklin responded, if you can keep it. A republic, madam, if you can keep it. Yeah, yeah, that is really lazy, appealing to, 
you know, catchphrases and slogans back then and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, it's also, like, there's no written record of it. From There's no, no contemporaneous written record of it. But I will tell you, it is the title of both Chief Justice Il, uh, uh, Earl Warren's book and uh, Neil Gorsuch's fucking oh, book. Oh, no. Both of which I own. One because I purchased it. One because my evangelical nut bar aunt gave it to me for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> I was almost surprised she didn't give me Brett Kavanaugh's book if he's written one. A republic? Shouldn't Franklin have said a democracy? No! Isn't that what we have in the United States? But Benedict, don't you know how important this distinction is? Don't you know that the fact that, uh, you know, despite having radically changed from the time of the founding to what our current state of our, our democracy or republic or whatever you want to call it is that this little distinction which is only important if you're trying to justify minority rule by republicans who are vastly outnumbered by uh the number of of democratic voters but who you know they make up more states Mm -hmm. than democrats do um that this is the single most important distinction that there is possible to make in american democracy let's see if i cry at this video i might yeah possible most people today would say yes. After all, if our country isn't a democracy, and they would be correct. What is it? But yeah, most people are functionally correct. It's not a dictatorship, correct. the rule of one man, or an oligarch. Although you can, you could argue that it's an oligarchy. You could certainly argue that it's an oligarchy. Yeah, yeah. I was going to argue that you know his party and the people who run the website he's presenting on very much would have liked it to become a dictatorship around January of this year. But mm-hmm. you know, oligarchy ruled by a small group. In America, the people are in charge. That's literally what democracy means in the original Greek. And then, Demos, okay, pause it. Kratos. Pause yep. it. Pause yep. it. Yeah. You know what? Are you, you about to give Madison Republic? Greek? Are you about no, to give Madison Greek? Yeah. Uh, Republic, it comes from the Latin res publica, which means thing of the people. So <laughs> let's not get... Let's... Benedict. Uh, <laughs> Republican don't, philosophy Don't try and pull... About Fucking <laughs> classics, classical <laughs> etymology on me. Fuck off. Because you Let's speak go. fucking four languages and one and, of them is Latin. Oh, I wasn't including Latin and Greek. I guess you can technically say I speak six. <laughs> but Benedict, Republican philosophy is almost in its entirety trying to make distinctions without a difference mean something. I think that's one thing we've learned. In all of our reading, that is so much at the center of what they try to do so fucking often. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The people, demos, rule, kratos. Mm -hmm. But let's pause for a moment and consider more deeply what the word means in practice and why the delegates in Philadelphia rejected it. That's right, rejected it. Our government was established by a national charter. The So I will say, I think he's correct. They no, that's did true. reject. They, no, that's right. That's right. The idea of all the people having a say, and um, we now recognize they were wrong, and we don't have the same rejection anymore. Yeah, that's why we passed amendments allowing those specific groups that they had excluded from mm-hmm. voting to vote. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why we did that. That's why every single state removed the property requirement to yep. vote. Yep. That's why we did that shit because right. we recognize that they were wrong to do so, Mm -hmm. and we have created a vastly different country than the one that they had or wanted to have because we recognize their wrongness. That is correct, yes. Constitution of the United States. We are governed by the institutions and according to the rules and principles created and adopted 
when our forebears ratified that document, making it the supreme law of the land. Does he think that the Greek democracy, I, I really think, I, I wonder, right, what they imagined the Athenian democracy was? Mm-hmm. Because they seem, whenever they make this argument, they always go back to saying, oh, they go to the Greek, demos, kratos. Mm-hmm. But they never draw the line from, well, I mean, back in Athens, it wasn't even anything remotely uh, resembling what we would argue against as a democracy either. And at no point in history has there ever been the sort of anarcho-commune democracy that we've, uh, we're have we arguing direct, against Direct democracy, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah right? There just is never existed, where everyone votes on every single issue. That yeah. just has never existed, because it's not functional, and that's just not what we mean when we say democracy. I think they're worried we'll bring back ostracization, where we can just vote to exile <laughs> people for 10 years. Can you uh, imagine yeah. if we oh, could just ben like Shapiro. if we could just ostracize we... <laughs> Ben Shapiro for ten years, he can go chant WAP wherever he wants. I was gonna say Ted Cruz, <laughs> but you know. Oh man, are we are we limited to only exor- uh, ostracizing one at a time? You or get one, one, one per year. So, ooh man, that could be a good time. That could yep. be a really good time. We'll see how. Can it you goes. imagine being the one person that you're <laughs> si- like the city Everyone hates agrees. <laughs> you fuck. You. The city, everyone in the city hates you so well, much. you know what? If we did that to Ted Cruz or Ben Shapiro at the end of the, that 10 years, they'd come back and be, hi, guys. Hi. Um, I spent the last uh, little bit uh, coming up with this, this argument about why you were wrong, about why we I'm a dick. voted again. I mean, you if, have to you leave. See, get out again. You have you to see, leave again. If you if you look at the, the Greek for the word uh, dickus, dickus, <laughs> biggus, uh, you'll see that, in fact, I am not. I am not a penis. I'm not a penis. You guys were really rude when you cast me out the first time. Very good. Are those institutions, properly speaking, democratic? The men who bequeathed our form of government to us, those we call our founding fathers, didn't see it that way. They understood the institutions established by the Constitution to be Republican. In fact, though the founders believed... I like to imagine that, that he knows what he means by Republican, but he hopes there's enough dum-dums watching this video that think it means Republican Party. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. ...in government of the people, by the people, for the people, as Abraham Lincoln put it in the Gettysburg Address. They didn't, they didn't, they they explicitly did not believe in that. Yeah. They did not. He's just pivoted from one argument saying they didn't believe in that because what he's describing for the people, of the people, by the people, that is that democracy that we're talking about. That is the Mm -hmm. democratic ideal. He has explicitly argued that they were against that and then immediately pivoted and just by using different words and hoping you didn't notice the change, Mm -hmm. said that that is in fact what they were for. It's a a bullshit, bullshit attempt at, uh, it's just, I hate, I hate the fact that I'm using this word. It's gaslighting. That I am correctly using gaslighting this time, though I have to point out, despite so many people often improperly using the word, he's gaslighting. Have you seen that video of Dave Rubin just completely getting the definition of gaslighting wrong? It's so funny. (laughs) We should do it for the show. We'll do it it, sometime. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Not believe in pure or unrestricted democracy. They feared that democracy, strictly speaking, contained within it the impulse to mob rule, the stifling of civil liberty, the trampling by majorities of the rights of minorities. To put it more bluntly... They would much rather see the trampling by minorities of majorities. That's what they would rather Mm -hmm. have. By which I mean Republicans making this argument in 2021. Pure democracy frightened them. 
So while they built into the Constitution significant democratic You're elements, frightened them? Slave they rebellions. also mm-hmm. built in non-democratic features to protect liberty and prevent tyranny. It wasn't simply that they favored representative government over direct democracy, though they did. It's that they rejected the it? idea that it's such a, this is so weaselly like again mm-hmm. like you it say is. direct direct democracy is nobody has direct democracy yeah at all every democracy in the world has representative government yeah it's ridiculous we've all realized uh, that's just easy that that's just you know it, it makes things much simpler than we oh god is it 9 a.m already i have to go vote uh i missed it yesterday. seven thousand things i i missed it yesterday and i think there was yeah that would just be so dumb that would be so dumb and so nobody's ever tried it maybe there's some commune somewhere that tried to do something like that but no it's it's not realistic so they're arguing against a, a complete bullshit straw man yep that the majority wins was by definition the just outcome indeed in what is perhaps the most famous of the 85 Federalist Papers, Federalist 10, James Madison, precisely in distinguishing a democracy, which he did not favor, from a republic, which he did, noted that a crucial advantage of republicanism is to refine the public views by passing them through the medium of a chosen body of citizens whose wisdom may best discern yeah, the true interests of the Yeah, as every democracy in Wow! Yep. I love the fact that the party of anti-elitists, the yeah. party that is so against yeah, we need, elitism, we need to, to like filter some of you guys' views. so hard views. on that quote. Yep. <laughs> oh, God damn it. That's ridiculous. And so we By have... the way, he's also playing upon the fact that, pe- that we use terms differently now versus then, right? Yeah. Versus the, the, the chosen people... We're not just talking about elected representatives in that sense. Remember the fact that the vast majority of people were not allowed to vote at the time of the founding. Yep. Because that's just, for example, uh, they didn't own land or they didn't have enough money or they were a slave, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's, white, he's whitewashing over that aspect of it. Of course he is. We have representative government. And more than that, we have a bicameral, that is, two-tiered legislature. A Congress with a highly democratic House of Representatives and a not very democratic Senate. Therefore, at least he recognizes that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll give him credit for recognizing it. There's a book I remember reading in college. It was just like a for one class. I think it was called How Democratic is the U.S. Constitution, which goes over all those sorts of little things about oh, the Constitution actually isn't very democratic. And it does make the argument that we become more democratic over time. I think that's correct. And he's recognizing the undemocratic nature of the Senate. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true because it's, you know, uh, controverts the will of the people. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, for one thing, I've always said um, no, no good faith given to these people because if it were the other way around and that benefit of the Senate were going to Democrats, they'd be screaming the exact opposite. Because they're not really about a position. They're not really about this being the right way. This is how government should be set up, blah, blah, blah. They're really about this is the only way we are able to cling to power, despite being the minority number of people in the United States. Mm -hmm. Therefore, California, with its massive population, has 52 representatives in the House. Wyoming has one. Yet Wyoming has two senators, the same number as California and every other state. Also should point out that that one House representative in Wyoming uh, has more proportional to the number of votes it takes to elect that person. The number of people they represent has far more power than any single representative in California. Yep. A pure Democrat would say that's unfair. 
Each Wyoming resident has far more power than every Californian. Because That's it is true. A but a Republican would say, <laughs> well, we aren't and shouldn't be a pure democracy. No, no, that's horseshit. That's yeah. horseshit. Also, he's twisting. He's twisting all of this around because the the the, the republic thing. Um, it, you know, the founders, for one thing, never imagined the number of states that we have now. They yeah. never imagined this sort of way that parties would be uh, dis distributed across states. All this bullshit. Even if you're making this argument that he's making that this is what they wanted and this is the way it should be. Um, no, you just can't make that because it doesn't translate. Because no, there's no way they saw this. It's really, and it also um, split around completely arbitrary geographical boundaries. Yeah, like and yeah. any of any of these states could be like, well, we want more senators. We'll just split into many smaller states. Like, hey there, Dakotas, how you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, we only got a minute left on this. We have to finish it because we've seen this argument come up so many times yep. in all the okay. books we've done. I feel like we have to finish this. Video. That's fine. That's fine. If we were. Large population states like California would overwhelm the needs and interests of small population states like Wyoming. That's a but bad why argument. should why should the opposite be true? Yes, exactly, exactly. Instead, you're saying that the smaller number of people should be able to overwhelm the needs and wants of the larger number of people. Yeah. That's the argument. He has managed to find a way to make that sound really uh, nice, to make it sound really refined. When, when you get down to it, what he's saying is 300,000 people in Wyoming should be able to tell 52 million in California what to do. Mm -hmm. That's what he's getting down to. And that's fucking tyranny. It's the definition of fucking yeah. tyranny. That's why we're called the United States of America. Each state has its own separate identity, holds its own separate elections. Just as we don't want one person or small group of people to dominate our government, we don't want one state or a few states to dominate. Again, it's the, the you know, bullshit, arbitrary, geographical mm -hmm. argument. It's And it's a way to try and refine this argument to sound interesting, to make it sound as though state is actually a thing that matters, when what we're actually talking about is people, which is the thing that matters, right? Yep. We don't have states. We don't have governments to serve land masses. We don't have the United States federal government to serve states. It's to serve the people. Mm -hmm. Because remember earlier, he told by us... By the people, for the people, and of the people. The yeah. Republic, yes, that the founders wanted was by the people, for the people, of the people. Not by the states, for the states, of the states. Because that is as stupid as it sounds. Yep. To dominate our government. A republic is a way of diffusing power, and a brilliant one at that. We see something similar in the Constitution's procedures for choosing a president. An obvious possibility would have been by a national popular vote. The founders wisely decided against this option. Really, it's just all shit that when yeah. they were coming up with this, it's like, well, if you say that, then I won't vote for it because that means also, you know, I won't they get were to all choose. drunk and hot and sweaty. <laughs> like, l yeah. let's not put too much stock in in all of that. Thank You're you. like he's he's putting all this great grand wisdom behind a document that was. A struggle for power between yeah. a bunch of people meeting over a couple of weeks or at months best, or At best a hodgepodge, yeah. Yes. Rather, they created an electoral college to protect the interests of the less populous states. Even today, their decision makes sense. Nope. As my yeah, Princeton colleague, not. Professor Alan Gelzo, observes, a direct national popular vote would incentivize campaigns to focus almost exclusively on densely populated urban areas. That's actually the electoral college system incentivizes candidates 
to court voters more broadly. It would encourage them to focus on where they think they'll get the most support. Yeah. Which is true, but that doesn't mean ignoring like it, it Well, it, it also it. it also means that like you could you they would probably spend more attention cuz like right now no democratic candidates candidate is going to Kansas. Right, Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. but but if they were like, hey, if I get a ten percent boost in voters from Kansas's cities, they're more right. likely to go and campaign in these smaller states. But right the analogy now, doesn't work when you just look at how statewide elections work for like the governor. Yeah, governors in many states go to those rural areas. Yeah. I can go pull up campaign footage right now of Gavin Newsom in California going out to the Central Valley and walking around with a farmer for his campaign. Yeah, they do that. And yeah, because it's, it's marginal yeah. gains when it's a popular vote. Absolutely. What he really means, of course, is that Republicans would never win another presidential election, and that would make well, him sad. I mean, it would be very rare, but that's fine. It'd be incredibly rare. I mean, the last time that happened was Bush's second election after 9-11. Uh, so in, in my lifetime, uh, they've won the popular vote in a presidential election exactly once. That In my lifetime, I'm 30 years old, and that was Bush's second election after 9-11. Um, yeah, they, they'd have true? a... Yeah, that's true. That's the last time born... they won for presidential popular vote. Uh, you were born after the first Bush, right? Yep, 1991. Yep. Just, okay. We're the same age! I know, I just, I forgot, I forgot <laughs> when first Bush was. We're separated by a few months! I know, I know. I forgot if you were older or younger for a second. A little bit younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Oddly, making presidential elections more fully national. So if we understand the system of government our founders bequeathed to us, we will see why they preferred to describe it as a republic rather than a democracy. In an apocryphal Of course, quote. it has strong democratic elements, but America was not created to be a pure democracy. Okay, hold for on. For very good that, reasons. Whew, there's a, that, Ooh, that, for of very course. good reasons? For no, very no. good reasons? No, no, um, that, that, of course, it has strong democratic elements. That's, that's a hedge. Is, that, that is that, a hedge. Well, it's also just like, hey, ignore everything I just said, yeah. basically. <laughs> Those reasons remain as valid today as they were in 1789. We should not go along with those who today are demanding constitutional changes simply because this or that institution or procedure established by the Constitution, say the Senate or the Electoral College, is not democratic. More democratic. No, it's because they're unequal. It's because... It yeah. Forget the word democratic, buddy. I'll just argue with it being completely immoral to have the majority ruled by the minority. I will just argue with you on those terms. We don't need to bring the word democratic into it at all. Let's, let's say bias. Yeah. Democratic doesn't necessarily mean better. It doesn't necessarily mean more just. It does. Our actually. founders understood this. So should we. We have a republic. They thought slavery was okay. You you cannot make an argument about what is just based on what they thought, unless no. you talk exclusively about Benjamin Franklin. And uh, you're not doing that. You're no. not doing that here. Uh, there's about 20 minutes left, but I, or 20 seconds left. But I think we're we're done with that video. Okay. After that, at, at the end of every Prager U video now, they've added a little pitch for donations. So oh, it used cute. to just go to the sparkly dee dee whatever it is that ends it. But now they all seem to be ending in this. We need Dennis your money to stay like... alive, blah, 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 which caused me to pull up their 990, their most recent one, and see that uh, in the last year, they spent about $7 million on Facebook and YouTube ads. $7 million, That's which, I mean, contributes to the fact that those are two of the most toxic platforms on the internet. That I mean, there's a reason why that's where they spend their money. It's where they have the, the most effect. 
mm-hmm. Facebook and YouTube. But, I mean, they're also the biggest platforms. So Yeah, but, you know, I would say, why, are, why aren't they spending that kind of money on Twitter? And I would say Twitter has a different dynamic. Um, it's also about a tenth of the size of Facebook. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. Anyways, Benedict, we have two more videos. Um, okay. Give me a number, one or two. Uh, one. Number one, Benedict. This one is entitled Killing Comedy mm. by Seth Dillon. It is from okay. May 10th, 2021. And okay. Seth Dillon is the CEO and owner of the Babylon Bee. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> the world has become too absurd to be satirized. No, it hasn't. The great English no. writer G.K. Chesterton said that way back in 1911. Benedict, do you know wrong. anything about G.K. Chesterton? <laughs> Yes. Let's let's see what he has to say. <laughs> okay, for one thing, I have to point this out. The the Babylon Bee seems to as far as I know be obsessed with GK Chesterton. Like I was l- going through their Twitter feed today and they retweeted something just somebody saying, "Hey, read this amazing book about GK Chesterton. It's like a list of his 10 favorite things and blah blah blah." I searched their website and found that he's listed all over the place as a reference. It's it's nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, cannot it, believe. Se- it seems to be this dude's favorite person. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the case. Long before math was considered racist and biological men were allowed to compete against women in sports. Okay. One can only imagine. The two jokes they have. That's the two, like, they keep going back to that same. So they have transphobia and, oh, liberals think two plus two equals four is racist. Can I? Those are appear to be the two jokes that Babylon B has. Really quickly, just tell you, and I think this is maybe my favorite thing I've discovered by Googling a person. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I Googled G.K. Chesterton just to jog my memory. And uh, under the influence section, I will give you three guesses of who it says he influenced if you didn't look it up already. Oh, God. I, well, I, I don't know about influence, but I know that he does look like Boris Johnson went through a blast furnace. He looks a bit uh, like a, a mix between Teddy Roosevelt and Boris Johnson. <laughs> a little bit, right? Yeah. Who, who's the influence? Uh, Slavo Zizek. <laughs> <laughs> a horse walked into a bar. We live in weird times, my friend. Oh, my God. Imagine Sl- Slavos is that. <laughs> well, if you think about it, <laughs> the world is too imperfect to be satirized. <laughs> that is a dead-on Slavos is that impression. All right. Well, you know what? I guess we're going to have to do a video about him next time. <laughs> Imagine what he would say if he were alive today. Probably something anti-Semitic because G.K. Chesterton you. was incredibly fucking anti-Semitic. <laughs> At the Babylon Bee, where we write satire for a living. No, you don't. You try. No, they do. They do. You try. They try. Look, Babylon Bee. They occasionally they'll have a headline and be like, ah, because I'm I'm capable of pulling myself out of you know my my personal political beliefs. You know, go. I think it goes back to the fact that I used to be a hard right conservative. Uh, I can you know sort of step back and look at something and say, ah, that's funny. If you take you know emotion out of it or whatever, occasionally. But far more often, it's just a I identify as blank joke. Yeah, that's a true. lot of it is incredibly fucking lazy because they don't have the talent of like the onion, right? They just mm-hmm. don't have the fucking talent. We're feeling Chesterton's pain in a big way. Just look at these headlines that were satirical at the time we wrote them. On May 9th, 2017, we ran this headline. Two plus two equals four, insists close-minded bigot. That was a joke, of course. 
Oh, but on August did 10th, they put a laugh track on yes, that? They put a laugh track in. <laughs> they put a fucking laugh track in. <laughs> Because this guy couldn't stand it if he were to drop that bomb and not hear any fucking laughter. Let's go. The Washington Examiner published this story. Math professor claims equation 2 plus 2 equals 4 reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. So, Benedict, we have to talk about, obviously, how that's an entire load of horseshit. Yeah, Uh, okay. You remember when this happened. I'm sure many of us did. It's not all that long ago. Um, What they did, basically, to begin with, what they always do is find one person on Twitter who said a weird thing. Yep. Uh, Then take that thing completely out of context, lie about what they actually said, and then turn that into, this is what the entire left says. That's the strategy. That's always Um, what happens, yeah. yeah, Normally it ends up on on one of the cable networks, too, in a big, scary banner. As it turns out, this uh, was a tweet from Lori Rubel, a professor of math education at New York's Brooklyn College, which I believe is a community college. Um, and uh, she tweeted about math is not culturally neutral, uh, how that's a myth, that the, the idea of math and data is culturally neutral, uh, and then had a separate tweet noting that math reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. The 2 plus 2 equals 4 thing came along with her clarifying what she meant when saying that the 2 plus 2 equals 4 thing is a trope that people use to ignore any sort of racism or cultural uh, uh, ideologies inherent in math. And what she's talking about is how we teach math mm-hmm. and how uh, we address uh, the issue of how minorities, uh, specific groups, are taught math, how they're treated by people trying to teach them math, things like that. But the Washington Examiner, which is a right-wing rag, uh, it's not the Washington Times, which is uh, written by a cult. It's the Examiner, which is written for a cult. Um, you know, <laughs> comes along, writes a bullshit article about it. I try to find anyone who gave a shit about what this woman said. I don't particularly agree with some of the things she's probably saying. I think there's an interesting discussion to be had there. Uh, I think certainly the way that we treat certain people in schools, the way that they're treated teachers, needs to be looked at. I don't know if point is particularly salient. This random adaptation that they made a big deal out of it had less than 50 likes that's i think it actually i I read one thing that said it had like Mm -hmm. six likes until the washington examiner made a deal out of it and then all of a sudden it's no they picked a fucking random nothing on twitter and turned it into a thing that's what they did on august 13th 2020 ran this headline blm rioters awarded no prize at the time we thought this was obvious satire but on january 29th 2021 this story was published in The Guardian. Black Lives Matter movement nominated for Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, he like, can't once see again, how those two are different. Well, yes, but also once again, anyone can like Donald Trump was nominated for a Nobel yes, Peace Prize. True. Like it's a, anyone can nominate anyone for a Nobel Peace Prize because you just have to be an elected member of a of a governing body. I think. True, but th- this is where I get to him claiming he's doing satire. But he doesn't know what's sad because he's claiming that his article, BLM rioters awarded Nobel Peace Prize, that that is identical to the Guardian headline about Black Lives Matter being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. He doesn't understand, Mm -hmm. A, the way that his statement is tinged with his own personal biases. You have to understand Mm -hmm. that in order to do satire. And he does not understand that. He cannot comprehend thinking of black lighting, but violent, vicious, probably drooling Mm -hmm. rioters who are there to steal and murder your white women. Mm -hmm. Because that is how he actually views them, I am sure. 
Right, we ran this pant sales plummet as everyone working from home. The very next day, this story appeared in Yahoo Finance. Amid coronavirus, Walmart says it's seeing increased sales of tops, but not bottoms. Okay. What? So, uh, sorry, hold on. This is the one, look, Benedict, this is the one case where, okay, the headline that the Babylon Bee put out, that's worth a chuckle. That's worth a chuckle. Because it, 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 there's a, we understand, we were all going through the same situation at the time. Coronavirus was hitting. We were all trying to make sense of our situation. We were making these jokes about Zoom. This was cultural consciousness at the time. He yeah. doesn't understand that that kernel of truth being looked at by the news does not mean that he is a psychic. Yeah. Also, like, it was the next day. <laughs> yeah. So, it, like, like, who could have predicted that this would come true? Like, okay, like, literally, okay. Oh, you weren't the only person to notice a thing. Hmm. Must mean yeah. satire's dead. Yeah, that's it. I could go on. Our satire is proving to be for the astonishing regularity. I'm not sure. That's no, not okay. No, that's not, not really no, satire. Not. That last one. No, it's just a joke not, about our current right. circumstances, which ended up being sort of true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean in satire? Well, for one thing, more that, right? But the truth point. But when this is behavior, how do you? Almost anything we publish ends up being it ends up actually coming true. Think profit. I think he might actually think he is a prophet with dumb dumb. Mm. You've just seen. This is exactly what Chesterton was talking about. It's one of the way left nope. is killing satire uh, by the turning the audience ah, yes. into a parody. Because here's the problem: satire. we saw that the right was getting too good at comedy, and Benedict, we decided nah, we got scared. We had to murder satire. <laughs> That's it. Of itself. Got it. There's another, more intentional and insidious way the left is killing satire, and that's through censorship. You knew it we was coming. We published an article a couple of years ago with this over-the-top CNN purchases industrial-sized washing machine to spin news before publication. Believe that's it or not, funny. Snopes fact-checked this story. I mean, come on. A washing machine? To so, Benedict. Did they? This I is where I that. told you before the show that we were going to have a mini, uh, you know, version of, of me talking about a topic. Mini. Much to talk about here. Mm -hmm. but we got to talk a little bit about the Babylon Bee. Uh, as it turns out, what he just said is true. Snopes did, in fact, write an article about that and just said, oh, this is just satire. False. The problem is, the Babylon Bee, as I should have mentioned at the very beginning, was founded in 2016. Uh... That article he's talking about came out in 2017, when still nobody who knew who the fuck Babylon B was. Cool. And the problem was, up to that point, they had had several gotcha, pieces, same. I don't want to call them articles, that had come out that a astonishing number of people on the right had thought was true. And throughout Babylon's B's history, and again, this goes back to not so much of, of as he thinks, him being prophetic, them not being very good mm. at satire. Uh, they write things that are much too close to reality, and a number confuse them for true, because they don't know how to do what the end does, which is you put in a twist, which makes it clear that the headline is referring to a not-true thing. Also, you know, being the onion, which has been around since the 80s, and people generally know is not sat is, is satire, right? Although, mm -hmm. it should be noted that people do occasionally confuse the onion for reality. Oh, still all happens, the time. Still happens. Buzz happen at a much higher round, including in an octave. When Donald Trump, still at the time, tweeted a Babylon Bee article that claimed Twitter was shutting down for the night to stop anti-Biden cool. news from spreading. 
Uh, Trump said above that on his retweet, wow, this has never been done in history. This includes his really bad interview last night. Why is Twitter doing this? Bringing more attention to Sleepy Joe and Big T. <laughs> yeah, you remember when Big T was a thing? You remember when Big T fucking thing? So, yeah, Babylon B uh, has a history of right-wing figures, uh, including Ted Cruz at, at one point and a number right. of others, uh, confusing what they're saying for reality because... Republicans don't exactly have a handle on what reality is. Which, and I found really interestingly, Slope, Snopes in 2019 uh, actually did a bit of a research piece on satire and the problem of people believing satire. Uh, and mm -hmm. so they took five headlines from the Babylon Bee and five from The Onion. Then 800 people of both Republican and Democratic Party uh, to find out whether yep. or not they thought they were true or not. Um, and uh, here's a few of the examples from their study uh, among uh, headlines from the Babylon Bee. First one, most Americans believe major media companies should apologize for pushing the now debunked news story of collusion. Benedict, sounds like it could be true if you live in the fucked up yeah. Republican world where you're actually more popular than mm -hmm. you really are in reality and you're, you're not uh, a minority of the country you're actually the majority and everyone's on your side if the mm -hmm. fake news media would just stop lying about it then you would everyone would know that it was true for that one 20 republicans asked thought it was true and six percent of democrats that's less than i would have thought to be fair it, it is less than you would think but it's still higher than it should yep. be uh next representative also, once Omar. again is that satire or is it just lying i th that's a good question because that you could, Where's I mean, the joke? Because it has the Babylon Bee name attached yeah, to it. What's, I, I think, what's the joke? I think they think people should know that they are like the onion. But because they just started in 2016 and they're really bad at this, a lot of people don't know that they're like the onion. Uh, and also, as you mentioned, yeah, there's not a joke included in that. Yeah. They actually think reality. So that's... I, the, the Babylon Bee is more popular than the Onion, I'll tell you that right now. Maybe, maybe. because It what, is. Because no, ge genuinely it is. Because boomers have bad sense of humor, I guess, yeah, maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next one. Representative Ilhan Omar said that being Jewish is an inherently hostile act, especially among those living in Israel. 23% okay. asked thought that was true. And 8% of Democrats. Again, that's just, it's a statement. It's not a, that's not a joke. Yeah, man. CNN news anchor Anderson Cooper said his belief that Trump colluded with Russia is unshakable. It will not change regardless of statements or evidence to the contrary. 21% of Republicans thought that one was true. 14% of Democrats. A, pop, a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that one, one seems I, obviously I exaggerated. Next. To me, that one seems more obviously satire, which is. Yeah, yeah. If you read it, but yeah. I think a lot of people didn't read it very closely. Next. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, said that the company will move its Georgia-based filming operations back to Hollywood to avoid filming among depraved, okay, immoral people. that one's people. quite funny. That one, right? See, I can see the joke <laughs> there. But 20% of the Republicans asked thought that was true. 20% and 7% of the Democrats asked. Last uh, one. Okay, I would say that this is... Um... This is tricky because, like, when you ask someone if that's true, because like, that, that one, is that true. one obviously like, they, was around the time yeah. of the the Georgia laws that were going and they, on. Right? And people did move, but like, it's right. like it, it's whether it's like, is this quote true or is the fact behind this quote true? Like, I I find sure, that tricky sure. to find. Next one, Cory Booker is one of several prominent Democrats to describe the Second Amendment as a dangerous loophole that allows people to buy guns. That one. <laughs> 
tiny bit of okay. right. There's a chuckle. You got a chuckle out of that one because you and yeah, I. I love but chuckle. You have to remember that this is if you view the world from the right wing perspective, where Democrats are really all a fucking commie, power hungry monsters who want to take away your rights. I can compare this Democrat to a study they did on uh, headlines by the Onion, uh, where, for example. One of the Onion headlines. Following the passage of Alabama's new restrictive abortion bill, a 12-year-old victim of sexual abuse said during an interview that she doesn't think she can be a mom on top of her already hectic life. 5% of Republicans thought that was true, and only 14% of Democrats, lower than any other uh, of the uh, numbers that Republicans Mm -hmm. thought were true for the Babylon Bee headlines. Next, National Security Advisor John Bolton said that an attack on two Saudi Arabian oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman is, quote, an attack on all Americans. That's just funny. That's just funny. That's good. Uh, And 14% of Democrats, again, thought that was true. 9% of Republicans. I have to wonder if the Republicans thought it was true because they agreed with the statement. I really have to wonder. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Next, White House Sarah Huckabee Sanders told reporters that releasing the Mueller report would be a threat to public safety because so many Americans would be disturbed by evidence of the president's innocence. 14% of Democrats thought that was true. 9% of Republicans. Again, the Democratic numbers for believing that the unheadlines are true are lower than all the Republicans believing Babylon B is true. Yeah, also, I mean, it's just more, like, it, the Babylon B version of that would be by evidence of Trump's guilt. And, like, they just don't go the extra step to make it an obvious joke. And so the... and then the last one from The Onion, yeah, the headline, the, and this is the one, like, I, I don't know how anyone thinks this is true. I really think it probably shouldn't have been. Uh, it was, quote, Tucker Carlson repeatedly criticized a former child bride who was a guest on his show for saying that sexual encounters with her husband constituted... She's... You know, 12% of Democrats thought it was true. 9% of Republicans. I I understand thinking the worst of Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not, not yeah, something. But I, he... I mean, I do understand wanting to believe the worst about him, and I could see that being true, but, you know, I, I just think... So there's a problem out there with people thinking that, you know, satire is true. And that's what led mm-hmm. to Snopes uh, fact-checking this one that, that they were talking about. And I did a search, they've, they've done pieces. The main reason and the main time that they end up writing an article about Babylon B is when a bunch of boomers on the internet end up thinking it's true because the Babylon B is bad at headlines mm-hmm. and boomers are bad at the internet. So, you know, it's a, it's a repeated problem. The one Reading. about the, the uh, washing machine, I think, pretty obviously... Not true, right? That's that's not not real. But I think what might have been happening is something yeah. like, you know, they're like, oh, there's this new thing. People are getting confused by this Babylon B thing, maybe picking just a recent one they'd done. And just to point out, this is a satire site. So if people had Googled them, it would have gone to Snopes and they'd be able to say, you know, look at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is, this is obviously not true. I think that might be what's going on here. But yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, Snopes fact checked this story. I mean, come on. A washing machine? To spin the news? That's an obvious joke. But Snopes fact-checked it and rated it false, as if we'd written a serious story. It used to be that jokes were either funny or not. They made you laugh, or they did not. But now, in the fact-checking age, we're giving them a truth rating. Jokes are no longer funny. They're false. That's not what's happening. And false information is dangerous. What they're doing is too many people keep confusing your badly written satire for reality. 
because they lived in a, a fucked up world where they believe the worst of the people that they're told to hate. And then somebody has to say, no, this, this is obvious bullshit. You really you should get off the Internet and go outside more. That's really what what's happening. Yep. Response to the Snopes fact check. Facebook warned us that we'd be demonetized and deplatformed if we continued publishing <sighs> fake news. Ooh, censored. It should go without saying that there's a big difference between fake news, which is meant to deceive, and satire, which is meant to entertain and inform through mockery, humor, meant, and irony. Meant to. Meant, but the left benefits by blurring this distinction. If they can successfully lump us in with fake news, then they can shut us down. It's that simple. So what happened with Facebook there was essentially that, like, they had, I think, some automated system because they work with Snopes. And, you know, they, they sent, work with like, all kinds of fact checkers. Yeah, they sent like a, a warning to Babylon B and then Babylon's B is like, oh, we're actually satire. And Facebook's like, oh, sorry, we didn't know who the fuck you are, because why should we? It's 2017 <laughs> and you're nobodies. And then it was all good. And who gives a shit? That's not censorship. It's 2021 and you're still on Facebook, you idiots. These fact checks which often smear us by suggesting we're purposefully misleading people, no, are nothing more than a creative, yeah. conniving way of justifying censorship. I've read several of the fact checks, and they point out that you're satire. They have a label for satire on Snopes. I think he might be talking about, there was like a, a New Yorker piece where some somebody wrote a think piece saying, hmm, are they actually doing satire or are they doing fake news? <laughs> That might be what he's complaining about, but maybe even if that's what you're complaining about, that writer had a good point there. Yeah. But why would anyone want to censor satire? Why is Facebook paying USA Today to write lengthy refutations of our jokes? They don't. Yes, they actually do that. No, they don't. Because humor is ultimately a vehicle for truth delivery, and the truth can be offensive. Think about all the things you're not allowed to say anymore. Not because they're false, but because they make- Say some of them. <laughs> like There's what? a lot of words that your hero G.K. Chesterton would have said that you're not allowed to say anymore, and I don't think you're gonna mm-hmm. say them on this recording. Yeah, let's be brave. Why don't mm-hmm. you say what you want to say? Let's see. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yep. Make people uncomfortable. Satire cuts right through the pretense and political correctness to expose uncomfortable truths, and it does so more ruthlessly and effectively than anything else. C.S. Lewis said. Good philosophy must exist oh God, for no C.S. other reason Lewis. because bad philosophy needs to be answered. Satire is necessary yeah. for the same reason. He Sat- said that because he wanted to imply that his philosophy was good. Jesus. Satire ridicules bad ideas. And now, more than ever, bad ideas need to be exposed for what they are before they gain an even bigger foothold on our minds and hearts. I it's- agree, which is exactly why we mm-hmm. need to make fun of shitbags like you. Just putting out bad ideas under the guy. That's what it is, really. I mean, we talked about, I went through their Twitter feed earlier today looking at a lot of stuff they put out, and a lot of it is just fucking, it's the transphobic I identify as blank joke over and over and over again. They're just hiding bad ideas in a thin veneer of supposed humor. That's mm-hmm. all they're doing. Also, extremely high on their own supply. Absolutely. Just, extremely. Well, we got about 20 seconds left. Let's see if we can finally finish this off and be done for the day. Especially on the minds and hearts of young people. And while good philosophy and rational argumentation are indispensable, it's often humor that's most effective. To quote our friend G.K. Chesterton once more, humor can get I in under the door like the while Jews. seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. I'm Seth Dillon. CEO of the Babylon Bee for Prager University. 
It's funny, oh, isn't it? The God. most, the most, the most famous, probably political humorist, uh, is Voltaire. Uh-huh. And it, it, you've brought up both philosophy and political and you have not humor. Brought up and him. Satire. You brought up G.K. Not... Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton, and you know why? Because Voltaire was anti-religious. <laughs> That's why. Absolutely, and because C.S. Lewis Someone wasn't should funny. Give this, dude a Vol- <laughs> give this guy a Voltaire book. Oh God, man! It's so pathetic. It is very much the well. We really need to get... It's that time that Dave Rubin actually said on his show that all the right needs to enroll in improv classes or whatever the fuck they, he said yeah. and try and get God, better yeah. at comedy because they think that'll help them win. Uh, they mm. don't realize it's actually just that their ideas are bad and have been rejected. They don't realize that that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. God damn. Anyways, Benedict, that's all we have for today. I hope you had fun. I had a good time. It's nice. I did, yeah. It's nice to go despite back your, to Prager U. Despite your mic breaking. Yeah, we had a little bit of a problem in the middle of the show. So uh, if there's some weirdness on the recording, um, well, you'll already know by the time you get to this part of the show. <laughs> and I'll know when I do the edit. So, But that's it. That's all we have for this week. Uh, you know, a little bit of an easier week for us. It's nice to go back to our old stomping crowns, uh, go around Prager U and, you know, make fun of the freshmen. Uh, That was fun. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. For little as $2 an episode, you can get access to patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early release of all of our episodes, and more fun benefits just for our patrons. And as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, C. David, Megan Ruth, Glaurung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen Din... You know what? You people took George Soros out of your names, and it's really throwing me off my rhythm (laughs) for how I normally read through all these names. Uh, (laughs) Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Taro Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Balls Watterson, and George Soros. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, beware the bat. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.